0: who makes you uncomfortable, every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be.
1: <laughs> I'm Sniffy.
2: Hi, Sniffy. <laughs> I'm Blair.
0: <laughs> oh, oh,
1: the dad yes, has begun. <laughs> begun! It's official. You are a dad. Yay!
0: You get your badge.
2: <laughs> your dad, dad jokes badge. <laughs> Welcome back to the Enzo's Podcast. I'm
0: Blaine.
2: <laughs> in the edit, I want to keep that dead space for sure. And I'm Sam. Uh, and we have Amy Dale in the studio with us. Amy, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You may recognize Amy Dale from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the popular Uh, K-pop dance video. (laughs) No,
0: (laughs) I really want that to exist out there. Is it public?
1: No, thank God.
0: Okay, that's well. Thank God. Too bad. Yeah, tomato, tomato. Mm -hmm. It's a video that loosely translates to heartstrings, but you lose a lot of the nuance (laughs) when you get out of Korean. (laughs) My gosh, Uh, Amy, you wrote an article for us back for volume four, right? It's four. I was just. How many volumes do we have? Five. Then it was four. Yeah. We sound super confident about this. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. It's just like yesterday. Yeah. Um, it was pages 41. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, they are just downstairs. We could have just like been, Yeah, you know, here it is. So this morning, I was being yelled at by my two-year-old son mm. to come and deal with his poop at— Was it in the toilet? In, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was in the toilet, but it was also at five in the morning. Um <sighs> What were you doing with your kids last night?
1: I was <laughs> I was sitting in the living room, knitting like um, an eighty year old woman, and listening wow. to them talk about um, various topics.
0: <laughs> oh man! <laughs> okay then. En- enough said.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I was having a conversation with them about all kinds of interesting life topics.
0: Your kids are no longer two. They are.
1: They are half
0: not. in college.
1: Yeah, my oldest is 21, and my youngest is 14. She just turned 14.
0: So, various topics is appropriate, though vague. maybe
1: not appropriate for mm-hmm. a podcast.
0: Town. Yeah, to actually dive into them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but there's a lot to know in this in this crazy <laughs> no, world. No, but the thing
0: is, is I actually think that most other parents, especially parents like me of really young kids, they go, No, I, I need to know what you're saying. What is the conversation? What because were you talking about everything is unknown. I'm like, Mm. my kids look at me and they go, like, you're a dad. You've always been a dad. And it took me a long time to recognize like, oh no, he's figuring it out. My dad. Yeah. Every day. He's never been a dad of a four-year-old before. Right. This is the first moment.
1: Oh, for sure. And he's never been a dad of you as a four-year-old because that's the piece that's like really interesting is that you have one kid and you go, okay, I'm starting to get the hang of this. I think I know how to do this, kinda. Or you don't, either way. <laughs> then you have the or at next least we've kid. like made it through. <laughs> They're you're still surviving. alive. And if you yes. don't <laughs>
2: think that, you're failing.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you don't feel okay about parenting, <laughs> something's very wrong. Oh with God. You. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely untrue. But um <laughs> then you have a second kid and you're like Wait a minute. Yes,
0: yes. No, wait. I know some stories here, so we're going to get specific. Yeah. Um, you had a girl first mm-hmm. who, um, super volatile personality, right? Like just <laughs> went off the deep end at a really young age. I'm kidding. It's quite the opposite, yeah. right? Like an old soul in a young yes. body. Yes, yes. And then you have your son next.
1: Uh huh. And
0: body training involved duct tape?
1: Oh, have mercy. Yeah. So when he was, he was a, he was a just, amazing child. He's a little genius, but he um when he was tiny tiny, he figured out how to get out of his car seat while I'm driving. Oh so gosh. driving down the road, baby who can't, who's just crawling, you know, pulls himself up between the two seats <laughs> in no. the car and I'm driving <laughs> and I look like, next to me and Grogu? there's this little bald head. I was like, "Whoa." Oh. <laughs> so is Grogu. Um, yeah, he is. <laughs> and so then um when he was um a little older, he learned how to get out of his crib. So that was a whole other thing we had to figure out. But then the duct tape came in a little later when um, he's in his, you know, onesie pajamas and learn how to—figured f- out how to get out of them and get his diaper off in the middle of the night. He liked the freedom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, who but wouldn't? But also,
1: I didn't like the freedom in the morning.
0: No, or the mess in the morning.
1: Yeah. So, so I decided first—the first tactic was put the onesie on backwards. Totally. That lasted for a little while. Yeah. And then— and then he figured that out, and then it was put the—
0: <laughs> His, Wait, very, his <laughs> very bendable shoulders, very flexible. I have no
1: idea. I really don't know how. I should. I wish that the video cameras in the nursery were a thing then, because that would have been really fun to watch. But Could have made some money he, off
0: of Houdini Baby. Right,
1: exactly. And then we put a strip of du- duct tape around the front of the diaper, just like a strip and the onesie on backwards. Yes. He figured out his way out of that one.
0: At what point did the so, handcuffs come in?
1: Uh, then the, the final straw was just the duct tape just around and around, <laughs> and, around and around the diaper. Like,
0: yeah. And that worked, You right? will
1: not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That finally works. <laughs> Thank the good Lord. He wore
0: it until he was 16. Yeah. He yeah. like
2: didn't have to buy any diapers after that.
0: <laughs> oh, I love yeah. how different they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was an experience. I thought that I was like ready. Yes. For and then when I caught him drinking the, the NyQuil out of the bottle that's supposed to be childproof, <laughs> I was like, what am I, what's happening?
0: <laughs> to be fair, we're still talking about a three-year-old, not a 16-year-old? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> It's supposed to be childproof. Uh, Mom. <laughs> I am not a child. <laughs> but I see you that way. <laughs> You'll always be my baby. Oh, my gosh. I'm faking it till I make it, man. Like, it's awesome. And I feel like everything that was thrown at me before, people just didn't know how to describe what it's like. As a a single guy or as early marrieds, um, people would always reduce it to sleep. They're like, oh, well, enjoy that. you are like, that's it? You're going to boil everything down. Like me feeling like I am a worthless human who can't tie shoelaces or figure out where food is coming from. It all boils down to sleep. Like I felt vastly underprepared.
1: Yeah, there's no way to describe to someone Mm -hmm. who doesn't have children and hasn't experienced that. There really isn't, because it's that feeling of uh, the pressure of I'm raising a human who's I'm I'm supposed to impart to them all the wisdom and knowledge that I I have and I don't have. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't have, and I and also like you know I homeschooled as well, so then I felt like I'm also responsible for your. Actual education. And so there was all this, you know, and when they're little, like you guys have little kids, mm-hmm. that was definitely the hardest season for me, just to encourage you. I would go to the grocery store with my four small children, and people would stop me and say, Well, enjoy this season because it j- only gets worse. And I was like, Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm jumping off a bridge later. What the heck? It cannot get people worse. People are just than so this. encouraging, aren't they? And they were wrong. Yeah. And, like, they were so wrong because that season is so exhausting. The sleep thing is a thing, but it's exhausting because you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to figure it out every day. And the whole time you're thinking, am I wrecking my kid? Like, am I going to get a few years down the road and be like, "Uh, okay, that was clearly the wrong path.
0: Um, I've been really counting on, like, the Etch-A-Sketch stage of memory. And yeah, like, just
1: shake it
0: up. I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure that none of this is sticking. I got like a lot of grace until like two and a half maybe. And yeah. like, how how far back can I remember? Like, okay, about three. So yeah. I figured I had three years to get things a little bit figured out. And then <laughs> they were going to start bringing it up 10 years down the road. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but it well, they felt They do that start way.
1: bringing up stuff where you're like, oh, yeah. Like my daughter gives me a hard time to this day, my oldest, because I was new parent. I didn't know. Anything and I told her she couldn't watch Kim Possible because she's wearing a crop top. So, oh, sure,
0: yeah. That well, <laughs> so
1: still my daughter's don't like, don't want her to become a Satanist. Mom, I saw some uh, Kim Possible on YouTube. I just wanted to <laughs> tell you
0: because I had a confession to make. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so I mean, I thought it was just... the
2: negative influence of the cargo pants in that case, but. <laughs> <laughs> or a naked mole rat, as a sidekick. I mean, I mean there's nudity in that I show. Nudity. How do we all know this? <laughs> they there's left an impression. Way too
1: much Kim Possible knowledge.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh! So, the article that you wrote, yeah, for which this is excellent preamble, mm. uh, because it makes, I think, the nature of the article that much more surprising. Is I'm friends with my kids. Yeah. Take us into the backstory. Where did that article come from?
1: That article actually came from, I was on Facebook one day, that land of wonder and enchantment, and, and I saw
2: this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, she's allergic to sarcasm. <clears throat> Sorry.
1: <It's>, and, <laughs> <laughs> and this woman had posted a rant about how she's not friends with her kids, and she's going to make her kids mad, and she's going to, you know, and she's okay with her, friend, her kids being, you know, like, basically it, it was like justifying a relational disconnect um, at the, uh, justification of I'm teaching my kids, but I'm not even going to worry about the relational piece, which for me kind of felt like a trigger. I was like, I, I don't feel that way. And, and my heart's desire is to be friends with my kids and to have relationship with my kids. And I think connection with your kids is for me and the biggest and most important part of parenting. Um, it's really easy to draw hard lines and say, ah, oh, this is, th- because I said so, this is, and when you, now there's different eras of parenting too, let me just say that. You guys are in the hard line season. Like, drawing- I just want
0: to build blocks with my kids, yeah. right? Is that?
1: <laughs> That's great. Cool. But like, you know, just that that piece of like, you have to establish the boundaries right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a season as your kids get older where um, you, don't, you don't have to be enemies. And that's what I feel like a lot of parenting feels like is just like this animosity between you know, parent and kid. And even if there's not that, there's just this big disconnect of like, oh, well, you're, we don't understand each other, we're not, you know. But I think mm-hmm. part of it, what I talk about in my article is just the, the misunderstanding of friendship. Because I had I didn't grow up having really close friends. I moved around a ton as a kid. Um, I remember my senior year, I had to write out the schools that I'd been to, and I had to call my parents for, and I'd been to like, I don't know, like 12 or 13 schools, something like, it was like every year. One per grade. Yeah, yeah, kind wow. of thing. And so I'd moved around a ton, and I didn't have um, a lot of close friends. So when I moved to a small town here in Colorado, I was blessed enough to be brought into this community of people who really knew friendship and really knew deep relationships. And that was life-changing for me, and it taught me what friendship was. I remember hearing John Elder talk about Jesus being disruptive, and that was super disruptive to me because I was like, no, he's nice. Because that, you know, I grew up in a nice Southern home, and that was the number one Thing. just be nice. Mm-hmm. And so that really rattled me a lot. And when I became a part of this community and all these friends and we're kind of in each other's lives and we're seeing things in each other's lives and we're calling each other out, which was not something I grew up with at all. And I was like, what is this? This is this is not normal relationship. And it's not sadly, but it should be because we can't see what we can't see. We have blind spots. We don't know what's going on in our lives." Always as clearly as we think we do, and if we have other people who love us and whose hearts towards us are good, who can see us and go, "Hey, just so you know, um, I want to s- I want to tell you that I'm seeing this in you."
2: And oh, I thought you were going to use a real example. Thank God, <laughs> Blaine. <laughs> Blaine let's no.
1: have a conversation. Okay, are you right you sweating over there? What is it? Right? <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> and as hard as those conversations are from both sides, receiving and giving, either way, it's yeah. not easy. It's not easy. To to do that, it's such it's such a rewarding thing, and so, and your relationship gets deeper, and your um, your personal growth. You know, you you grow as a human, and you become a better person. And there's issues that you are that you deal with that you wouldn't have dealt with because you would have just continued to ignore them, like we do. Um, and so I think that's part of it for me is that I think a lot of people think of friendship in the wrong terms, and then they put it with their kids and they go, well, I'm not going to be friends with my kids because they have this real, this idea of friendship that says we never call each other out. We're just nice to each other all the time. And, and, and to be fair, I actually think that calling each other out is nice. It's just, it's love anyway. Let's just say that it is definitely loving. So I, th- I think that my idea of friendship got disrupted and changed mm-hmm. and altered. And as I'm raising my kids, Um, When I see them doing something that I don't like, instead of going into the, I'm the authority in your life and you do what I say and you respect me and I demand respect and all those things, I would have a conversation with them. And I think part of the important part of conversation in friendship and in parenting is I know who you are. I know who you really are. How you're acting is not like you. This is this is not who you are. And here's what I see in you that's really good. And here's what I see in you that's the truth. And this is what's happening right now. And it's not the truth. And I want to know what's going on. What's going on in your heart that's causing this? Or what's, you know, like when, what's behind this? Um, yeah. A lot of times when kids are acting out, it's not it's not about them trying to be bad kids. Like most of the time, there's there's other underlying things. You know, they're hurting often. So
0: yeah. what I love about that, Amy, is there's so many, there are many tangents in there I want to revisit. But when we were writing Killing Lions, my dad and I, I actually pushed back against the parent friendship model because I yeah. had a couple of friends in college. Um, looking at you, Tyler, I know you don't listen or watch, so I'm gonna call you by your actual name, <laughs> who described themselves as having like their dad was their buddy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was unsettling for me a little bit because mm-hmm. in that I think there was a a parenting movement that still exists of like that. I don't say no to my kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And I I watched that and I was like, oh, I don't think that 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 is appropriate. It it felt concerning in many ways. Like they were just, it was a dad who might not ever say no. It was a dad who might just use soft power kind of, or like his son needed to like him enough to want to emulate his lifestyle. And that just, to me... Uh, watching the fruit of it, I'm like, uh, eh, I don't think I don't think that worked very well. So I remember pushing right. back against it. And yet, with that what you're naming of that, like a redefining of what actual friendship is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is super helpful because I do feel that first initial like, be friends with your kids. Like, wait, okay. So if you're friends, who's the parent? It's like, well, you, you're failing maybe in all of your friendships if you assume that friendship is just, uh. We're all cool with everybody else's behavior, and nobody has any right to speak into anyone else's life right. or really even see much of it. We just kind of hang out and vandalize things together. Like, <laughs> I think of <laughs> high school friendships first. I don't know why, but I, yeah. I mean, for me, that's a really helpful piece to begin with because there are so many different parenting styles in the right way, the wrong way, and that mm-hmm. whole debate. And to go like, well, there's a relational piece here that something in me cries out with like a yes to when you say like, oh, I can have a conversation with my kids yeah and there's respect
2: there rather than power struggle. So I have a question (laughs) as I'm thinking about friendship and I'm thinking about parenting and thinking about the things that are in the way of those conversations uh, and of relating in a way that prioritizes the restoration, the well-being of the people that you relate with above good feelings that day. And it's a hard thing to talk about because on the one hand, you start to sound like my friends throwing up the scare quotes now, and I we are just like straight talkers all the time. be like, okay, but do you like really enjoy each other and like each other? Right, I don't want to be invited to that group. No one wants to be like a part of the self-righteous friend crowd who are like, hey, you know what? People are too nice these days. We just give it to each other straight. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know what? No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not about that. <sighs> On the other hand, to be a friend, the kind of friend who initiates hard conversations that make people not like you, requires having grappled with the fear of rejection a little bit. Uh, you know, because like, hundred percent, yeah. Um, where did that happen? How did you become more interested in? Uh, loving, relating with your kids uh, than being afraid that they would not want you around or not like you? Or
1: For me, the way that I parent, relationship is the first piece. Because often, in correcting a kid, we'll ignore the relational piece and just kind of come in gruff and go, uh-uh, no, you can't do that, da-da-da-da. And it leads to this rift of them feeling hurt and you know, like this this thing and then there's suddenly the relational piece between the parent and kid is is kind of broken at the moment.
0: Amy, you're describing my morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well well, yeah, that's 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 kind of all of toddlerhood, I feel like. But <laughs> but as they get older even, you know, like <laughs> that is just a piece that is super important. And so for me, I felt like It's paramount to make sure that your connection with your kids is really strong because what you want from your kids is for them to be able to talk to you about anything, anything. You know, like all the hard conversations that teenagers need to have and that they're now searching the Internet for or asking friends, you know, like—
0: They're going to go somewhere.
1: They are, and we want them to to feel so safe coming to us— and that starts when they're little and that they know that they can come to you and say, oh, I I just colored on the wall and, and we don't freak out, you know. And we go, okay, well, you know, you're not supposed to do this. It's okay, I forgive you. Let's clean it up together, whatever, you know, like that piece. And um, I think that you lay down your fear of what your kids are going to think about you. And you don't worry about that as much as worrying about, Well, let me just put it this way. What I I call parenting is kind of the age of inconvenience. And it's like you have to be willing as a parent to be inconvenienced. I mean, Sam's morning is the ultimate, right? Like it's such a good example of that. But so many times as a parent, I'll go into my kid's bedroom at like late because my family, except for my husband, (laughs) who brings home the bacon, um, the rest of us are kind of not really early risers and we stay up really late.
0: So when you go into a room, it's like, what, one in the morning? (laughs) Well, like
1: close to midnight probably. And I'm going to say goodnight. I go in there and I'm like, hey, goodnight. And they say goodnight back, but I can see that there's something, you know, like I can tell that something's going on. And I have a choice to make at that point. I'm tired and I am like ready. You know, that that feeling of like my bed's been calling me for like 45 minutes, but I've put it off and now I'm just going to say a quick goodnight and go to bed. But, but the, uh, the reality is that my kid, I, I know what's going to happen if I sit down and, and really engage is going to be another hour. I'm going to be praying with her. I'm going to be talking through some stuff that's going on in her life. But that, that is so worth it. It's inconvenient. And it's like putting away your selfish desires and putting them first. And so like, I'll go in there and I make the choice of like, okay, I'm going to engage and spend an hour, go to bed at one and, and believe that I've made an investment. And I have like relationally, you've, you've made miles with your kid mm. at that point.
0: I want to tinker in some of the motivators here a little bit. How much do you feel like your kids are your verdict or the verdict of you?
2: Oh my oh, gosh. Uh, just me never. I'll just say that. Oh yeah? <laughs> yeah no, yeah, yeah.
0: you're doing good. Doing great. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you yeah. asking for a friend, <laughs> not, not blame. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, my word. I totally used to, I used to correct my kids based on what other people thought. Like I'd yeah. be in a room and with other people, and my kids would do something that I wouldn't normally be harsh with them about, but right. I would see the looks of other parents, and I'd go, oh, uh, don't do that. You know, like just responding to them, like being a people pleaser. And then I then there was a shift somewhere along the way that I realized – Those people aren't raising my kids. I am raising my kids and my kids, my relationship with my kids is more important than any bystander or whatever. I mean, I think it's still a struggle always. It's not like you get to some point where you're like, now I've achieved <laughs> perfection <laughs> and I don't have any, I don't get any validation from anywhere but Jesus. So <laughs> wow. that's where I'm at right now. I can see the
0: halo. It's, um...
1: <laughs> I mean, of course, I, you know, it's a constant struggle. And I talk to my kids about that too, because I think that's an important issue in general is like, where's your identity coming from? And, you know, like your kids in dance class and they become the dancer and that's, And so just reminding yourself of, look, your identity isn't in the things that you do, in all these things. You know, it's like I'm reminding my kids and I'm reminding myself as I say it because...
0: Wait, can we go back to the dance class? (laughs) (laughs) So we take Finley to dance class. She wants to do ballet, but they do like a trial one first. So she doesn't Mm -hmm. have the tutu. And we go to the thrift store to get like some exercise clothes, but they don't totally fit. And so she's in there. There's one girl who's tiny and in her tutu. And then there's my daughter who's like almost got a crop top because the top doesn't fit that well. It's like she just is the essence of vulnerability in a two-year-old. And I was like, that's the report card. Like my my heart and my safety is dancing around that other (laughs) room— When In their clothes top. don't fit, and they're the wrong clothes. then this is a metaphor for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's hard. Like, even, like, you, at this point, she's probably oblivious, right? And just, oh, like, no having a great time. Yes, right. But then there's, like, other seasons of your life where you actually watch your kids come home and having having been rejected and, like, have to walk through that. And that piece is not my favorite part of parenting, and you have to deal with the violent side of yourself. Mm. <laughs> and what's that kid's name again? Don't worry, sweetie. Okay.
0: <laughs> we'll make him disappear.
2: <laughs> I love it because, you know, what we said at the beginning, nothing prepares you. On the other hand, it's also true that parenting is like everything. It's kind con- Often when people are talking about relationships and marriage, I'm like, yeah, every Like, because marriage is the most... It, one of the most intense expressions of relationship you experience, everything will be kind of like it. But to go just on the friend level, I'm like, oh, there is there's a friend skill that I'm practicing right now of, does my interaction with my friends sort of change to manage the perception of me, like setting to setting? I had the best experience of this this week where a buddy wanted to, you know, get together. Grab coffee. I thought it was an emergency because he's never asked me to get coffee before. <laughs> oh, and yeah. He just wanted to hang. But <laughs> we're in the hallway of this coffee shop area with, like, a lot of people around. And the conversation turns, like, just political, which I'm like, I, I don't care. But I don't want anyone to hear us having any kind of political conversation. He's just very casually, you know, talking about this, this that, and the, that, that and the other thing. Mm. And I'm sitting there going like, okay, this is amazing right now. I'm so tempted in my body language to create distance between us so that the people who I can feel tuning into our conversation know that I'm kind of above this and basically try to not go down with you. And my... uh, (laughs) You're on your own. My friend... friend, (laughs) Cutting the life raft. Exactly. I'm like, my friendship and parenting task for that day was to be like... Give no clues in your body language or in the way you respond that you are different. Like just be in like we were in a private room having this conversation. Mm. And if the people are going to judge, just go down with him. And yes. it was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this is I, this actually is uh, overlapping in the territory of what it's like to take a four-year-old to a park and how oh, horrible right. parent park culture is. Well, everyone turns to you while your kid does something and be like – do you go, no, we don't block the slide? And you're like, I don't care. You're doing fine. You keep you do you. The other kids mean. Or that moment when your little boy's peeing at
1: the park. Yeah, that one. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> like, yep, good job. You did it.
2: Oh. <laughs> 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 Whoops. Uh, yeah. and, mm-hmm. or man, can I can't say like the flip side one. Yeah. Of where a friend's kid brought me my daughter's uh, guitar that he had somehow managed to, like, break in half. And wow, there was this, this time, the parenting moment was, uh, do I shift all the way into being perceived as laid back, easygoing, like, oh, no problem? Or do I actually engage him, kind of how I would engage a friend or a kid of mine and go, like, what happened that you broke that guitar? And I'm not going to lay the hammer down on my kid, so certainly not someone else's, but to actually go like, um, well, you broke Elish's guitar. Like, um, what would you like to do to address that? Right. And in that moment, it was like, oh, I'm not tempted to like, discipline i'm tempted to not engage this because then i would be perceived as man he is such an easygoing parent right someone can break his kids toys he doesn't even mind and i'm like i do mind and my daughter minds and so let's i'm actually gonna go ahead and engage unto something good happening and while i'm feeling the parents in the room be like "Uh uh-oh alarm he's engaging someone else's kid is that allowed and being like sorry this is just how I am learning to relate with people and I don't care that you're for this is how we're gonna relate right now
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Man so I I have this fear that the things that I'm justifying as just being for this season
2: Mm.
0: are actually things that I'm gonna have made our way fifteen years down the road. And that's that's like the the deepest fear in me right now is it's justifying, well, it's just for this moment. And like, oh, it's just because they're in this season. They're just toddlers. Parenting just looks like this for now. Mm-hmm. And then someone's going to snap their fingers and another four years have gone by, another 10 years are going to have gone by and I'm going to be in a parenting style and relationship and family culture that I justified my way into in the short term, and now have to deal with the consequences in the long term. Right. So I guess to that, I would ask: Did you know from square one the way that you wanted to have a relationship with your kids? <laughs> I find that to be unlikely, but maybe yeah. you were the first parent with that much level totally. of forethought. I
1: knew exactly what I was. It's bound to do. happen
0: eventually. Mm-hmm. This is going to be that person. Yeah. Or, at, like, at what point did that enter for you? At what point did that enter the story? At what point did that shift? And was it awkward? Was John on board? Was there like describe Mm -hmm. that for me?
1: So I remember before I had kids, seeing the kids throwing the fit in Walmart, you know, like on the ground screaming, and I was so appalled. My kids will Mm, never yeah, (sighs) get it under
0: control, lady.
1: Yeah, seriously, (sighs) what is wrong with you? I clearly knew how to parent really well until I had kids, (sighs) and then um, and then I was. Very acutely aware that I had no idea what I was doing. And I think one of the times that I very clearly remember there being a huge shift in the dynamic in the culture, um, well, there were two big factors, but one of them, I, I remember back in the day, I used to take my little, my littles to bookstores a lot, like the big bookstores that used to exist a lot. Um, and they had the train yeah, table. The one and and you know, the kids would stand around the train table and play forever and I would get to sit there and look at a book for like a few minutes and it was glorious. I took them and it was like often when you have four small kids, you have one or two that maybe will this time it was all of them were horrible. It was just one of those moments. It was, I'm by myself, all the kids were little hellions, and um I get them throw them all back in the suburban close the doors and then I just proceed to yell. I mean like full on yelling at them. They're little and I yelled at them for like, you know, 5 minutes straight. And it was like as I was driving away, it just clicked for me. Is this is this really what you want? Is this what how you want to raise your kids? This is what you want them, how you want them to remember you. This is The relationship dynamic you're teaching them about Mm -hmm. how to relate to other people, Mm -hmm. about how God is, like your representation of, you know, all these things are going through my head. And I was like, okay, this is actually um, not what I want. So that was like one really big shift. And the other one is I was watching some YouTubers who had a family vlog and um, they had fun with their kids. And they enjoyed their kids, which was a different dynamic to me because I had only seen the authoritarian, I'm the boss, you're the minion kind of vibe, you know. And it was very, it was a very different dynamic. And I was like, I want to enjoy my kids. This is, and, and the really good news is that you you haven't, like nothing is set in stone. And the truth is you're you're going to make mistakes as parents. And at this point I could, go back and tell stories. I'm not going to because it's really sad and I would feel bad again. (laughs) But like, yeah, I could go back and tell you stories of like really big mistakes we made in parenting.
0: Stories, litanies.
1: Uh, Yeah. 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 And so I just, that's just not the point. The point is not to get through parenting without making mistakes. The point is that we uh, are vulnerable to our kids as well. We go to them and we say, you know what? I handled that. Really wrong, and that's like the culture change in the family, right? Like instead mm. of it being, you create this, this way. This is the way in your family that is like, you know, sort of toxic or whatever. It, there's, it's not. A, there, there's not a point where you get to okay. Well, this is too late, mm. and you can't change now. Um, and so I think it's just this constant, like after the the yelling incident. When I pulled into my driveway that night, I said to the kids, I'm not going to do that ever again, and I haven't. My kids, when I tell them that story, they have no memory of that. They're like, you never yelled at us. like, thank God. (laughs) You were too
0: little to remember that. That's just a memory that is used to torment me every so often as I fall asleep. uh,
1: Yeah, but it's, you know, it's a beautiful thing how God can redeem our relationships with each other and our kids and our friends and everybody. But, like, with our kids— They want relationship with us, you know, like that's their heart's desire is to be still, you know, we're how old? Well, I'm almost 45 and it's still that thing of like you want to have relationship with your parents. You want to please them. Um, And so they're they're looking for that. Mm. And if we can engage with them, it's, you know, it's going to make things different in our house.
0: I want to ask like the question that you can just answer with one sentence and the answer might be, I'm not going there. But you said that you watched a more authoritarian model. Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up in your home?
1: <laughs> so it's it, it was a different generation mm-hmm. and um, a different time. And I would say I had a lot of really, a lot of fun with my parents, a lot of good times. But there was also very much the, um, I would say that the the main motivator for me being a good girl was fear.
2: Mm. And it was like,
1: you're going to get yelled at. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get uh, spanking. And I, I didn't want that, um, for my kids. I wanted them. And I also wanted my kids to think for themselves, which is, let me just, let me just go there for a second and t- tell you that that is terrifying. And, so rewarding
0: that they would think for themselves
1: yes because what
0: are they going to think of
1: right What are they going to start believing? What are they going to, you Mm. know? And and of course, you lay foundations, but also as they're in your house, you let them, you know, when they get older and they're still living in your house, you let them start to think for themselves. I mean, not let them, of course, you encourage them to (laughs) think for themselves. And you go, Good morning,
2: children. You You are allowed
1: now to think. (laughs) Now it's time to remove the (laughs) age. from your brain. (laughs) Right. Experience freedom lest I
0: reinstall it.
1: Enjoy. Don't abuse your freedom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think, I think like, you encourage them while they're at your house to think for themselves, to make their own decisions, and you're there as a safety so that you can, you know, go, oh, okay, well, maybe that wasn't the best decision that you made just then, so let's talk about, you know, what you could do different. Um, that way, when they leave your house, you know, if you've told them what they can and cannot do and you've laid out every rule for them every day of their lives when they're at your house. When they leave your house, they are not equipped to make decisions, to think for themselves. And so as they're home, in your home, in a safe place, allowing them more freedom and going, okay, well, you know, let's talk about issues that you want to talk about, like, like I was last night with my kids. And I was just, you know, listening to how they think.
0: Well, I mean, it's it sex, drugs, alcohol. I mean, there's only so many topics I and mean, you really wouldn't want only to so many flesh issues. out. You know, uh, the art and the fight very- of the Concord songs. <laughs> exactly.
1: You're correct. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna. I want to provide. I'm do, gonna do another parenting and friendship footnote. This is like if this were a book, there would be the boxes in the margin right. that highlighted an important point. Someone sent us this book that was on emotions for men, and its view of what guys were like was so insulting because emotions at the beginning and end of the chapter, it told you the takeaways in case you didn't like to read books oh. or undoing what, what, like, mm-hmm. so in the beginning would be this chapter and then the three points, and at the end would be the three things to do, and it'd be like, so you don't have to take the journey that is itself the substance of... Character formation, just scan, read, learn the right things to do, try it for three days, and be yourself again tomorrow, good luck. (laughs) Now, back out of that margin, coming one layer out of the inception and going, okay, parenting slash friendship, which is triggered by you apologizing, was a frontier in both arenas. People feel safe when they know that you're being real, they know that you're being real when they actually have access or can see my motivations, the story I tell myself, what the stakes are for me, and that obviously this is for my kids and, like, close friends. But I did the thing with several weeks ago where right, I fake apologized to my daughter after, uh, and was immediately, my, my wife was like, you didn't actually, like, you did the thing where you're like, I'm sorry that you felt afraid when I picked you up, but the way you did it was scary and you didn't talk about that. And I was like, you're right. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. Go back to four-year-old daughter who's still acting so tense. Yeah. And not only <laughs> own the way that I I'm picked you that you up. Was, <laughs> I'm sorry you were afraid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're weak. <laughs> but and then there's like there's a little relief when there's yeah. I'm sorry they picked up somebody that was scary. But then tell her that. Sometimes when you and Anais are both shouting, I feel like God is not going to give me what I need, and our day's just going to be bad. That's not true. But when I rel- when I think it's true, I do things that are scary. And then here's how and I'm like watching like the relief come into four year old daughter's face, because right. it's like she's like yeah, yeah. And I'm like yeah, I I know that you all you intuitively know this all already. But we get to the end and then apologize in that, and she's like. Oh, relief. Yes. Good. And I'm like, (laughs) hey, guys, my experiential learning pro tip right now (laughs) is that there are layers to uh, good owning your shit unto right relationship and Mm -hmm. that, like, Level one is just owning your shit. That's when you're finally apologizing, and that's like that thing I did, that was wrong. Great, Wait, right? Which isn't that easy, right? Because it's
0: gonna sound first like the I'm sorry that you responded this right, way. Right, so
2: that's still the zero. That's yeah, you're still not actually the, owning it. Yeah, um, right. And then so you make it to I'm really apologizing when it's about me, and that's a good stage one. And to go, like, but if you want to go into stage two and level up and then experience the joy of that is uh, why you tend to make the decisions that you do, which actually puts your heart on display. And then your most intimate relationships, that's actually the key. And as you're like, Mm -hmm. because it then gives people permission to have the conversation and ask the question of like, yeah, why do you think that way? And be like, oh, gosh. Well, I think because, and be like, Mm mm-hmm. Blowing it can be extremely constructive if you're ready to face the existential fear of having people enter your shit. Footnote over. That, that, that <laughs> sentence made me feel weird.
0: Just for the record. I don't know why, but as you were talking, Blaine, of like the behind the scenes thing, I just began thinking of like the two restaurant experiences that I really enjoy. And one is on the really fancy end and the other is on the really cheap end. But both of them are where you get to see the food being made. So Mm. that, like, happened in fancy restaurants. You, like, put up the big glass wall or the open kitchen so you can, like, see what's going on behind the scenes. smell it, yeah. And I think of all of, like, the street vendors and food carts I've been at where it's, I mean, very opposite end of the fancy scale. But I am getting the same experience. And I love those moments because... I feel like I'm, I'm seeing where the thing came from. I'm, I'm watching every step of the process. And I don't know why as you're talking about that, like that metaphor for relationships and for behind the scenes is really good. Rather than it being like the daddy responds this way, like some dish magically appearing from behind the right. scenes and you're like, oh, okay. I have no idea where this came from, what went into it, how it happened. Was this microwaved? Did you pull this out of a freezer bag and just <laughs> give me something prepackaged that has nothing of you in it? I don't know. Is it working for you guys? Because this is working for me, (laughs) man. This is like
2: saying that before he could believe (laughs) anything Dad wrote, he had to literally he had to see his kitchen, and he would to come stay at your house. But it ties in really well. I mean, like your closest friends and your kids need to see the kitchen uh, to have a safe and stable relationship. For some reason that, that sentence makes me feel better than
0: enter enter your shit. shit. I <laughs> that's true.
1: Fully <laughs> agree. And also <laughs> when, you, when you do that with your kids though, you're giving them permission to do the same thing. Mm. And you're even inviting them to think about why they think about things the way or why they respond to things. When you come in and say, you know, I think the way the reason I respond that way is because of this. And then they start thinking, You know, I've never thought about the reasons. I, you know, and it gives them a context to themselves, kind of enter into that place and go, "Why do I respond that way? And what is that about?" And Mm. they can come up with some, like, you know, they can come to you sometimes and go, "You know, I think that I've been acting like this because of this." And you kind of go, "Yep." Wow. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So you're right. (laughs) I mean, and you know, you've known it maybe Mm -hmm. for a while. But like letting them get to that conclusion mm. by themselves and figuring things out, it's, it's, it is is like giving them permission when you show them.
0: It feels so like a breakaway from the reactive, and I often feel reactive and hate that. Um, I'm thinking that we were watching a movie with, this is years ago, Blaine, when we lived with our folks, um,
2: Harrison Ford spy movie, uh-huh. You need to know what this is. Probably, probably the fugitive.
0: I remember Dad yelled like there was some villain was getting his way, and my Dad really didn't like it, so he yelled at the TV like, "No!" And it, I think, freaked us out, and oh. so we reacted at the same like emotional level. We were we yelled back like, "Dad!" And he had like he paused the movie and was like, "Wait, whoa! You don't? Why are you yelling at me like this?" Yeah. But I see it happening with our little kids as they'll be screaming or something, and, and it'll trigger the, to, like, react on the same frequency. Totally. And it never goes well. It just, <laughs> it just Really? Like, amps things up. It just pours more gasoline on the fire. And it's really hard to, like, access that zen, uh, sage on a mountainside that always joke around has like his Fu Manchu blowing in the wind because he's so <laughs> wise and so detached. It's like, oh, children who are screaming at me right now and yes. hitting me in the face, right. I love you. And you are just responding this way because you need to know that there's going to be comfort. <laughs> and so I'm like, get your butt in the timeout chair. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. Okay, behind the scenes, what's going on? And I, I do want the permission of like, like you named with the, the screaming story, which is so helpful, apologizing after the fact still works. Relationship yeah. isn't broken. Right. Relationship is actually uh, less fragile than the model perhaps a lot of us grew up with mm-hmm. of the you behave a certain way out of fear.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a brittleness to that
1: mm-hmm. that I feel. Yeah. It reminds me of the, the verse, A Soft Dancer Turns Away Wrath. Mm. which is like counterintuitive, like you said, because you want to match the, but I, I've I've kind of talked to my kids about this from the time they were little. And that's another thing when my kids were little and would have an argument, I would kind of sit them both down and kind of talk about like, you know, when you when you answered, like I would talk to them about tone of voice because mm-hmm. that's a piece I think that we don't really pay attention to. But like, you know, it's really important when you say, you know, like if you say sit down in your chair and they're like i am sitting down in my chair versus i am sitting down in my chair mm-hmm. you know like it's a totally different experience oh, yeah. and so i i talked with my kids about this a lot and and talked about the not getting defensive because that because with siblings that is often the escalate the one person will say something the other person gets defensive and then there's just this you know the cloud of Fighting cartoon characters that's mm-hmm. been happening, and you're like, okay, what what is going on? Um, so yeah, I think, I think as parents, we have to be, we have to remember that we're the adults. And uh. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm not super great at being an adult in a lot of ways, but mm. I think with your kids, you have to be the adult in the sense that you are the, you are the mature emotional emotionally mature person in the room. And you're going to have to put your own feelings aside sometimes.
0: And bring that soft answer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Another piece that goes with that is um, I think one of the things that our family does fairly well is allowing our kids to be themselves. Mm. And that's a piece I think that is overlooked a lot in um, just most, a lot of families, not most families, a lot of families, uh, because there's a lot of parents who have a lot of expectations for their kids often and they want them to do this. They want them to do this. They want them to be highly educated or they want them to follow in the footsteps of this or they I want them Finley to... I think Finley was
0: like two weeks old and Susan and I were already saying she can be anything she wants as long as it's an astronaut. <laughs> so yeah, I can relate.
1: <laughs> right. And so, and I tend towards that, towards artists. And so, and my kids all kind of are that direction, but like, you know... I've had to put that on the on the back burner and go like you know no I mean what if they don't want to be you mm. follow creative things that's oh, that's fine and they'll probably make more money so <laughs> but I think so you're
0: dreading the mom I really want to be a, a tax accountant right conversation I want to be a
1: doctor how dare you <laughs>
0: Everybody's Sit different, down. folks
1: don't disappoint the family <laughs> no but I think <laughs> I think that um, <laughs> what is really important is. You know, like as your kids get older and they want to wear the uh, the weird outfit and you're like, uh, I think the whole pick your battles and is one thing and then also, you know, because I let my kids color their hair. I mean, my hair is always colored weird colors too, so that I guess is not a good example. But I let my kids when they were little, not little, little, but like when they were like 13 or so, I was like, yeah, what color hair do you want? It doesn't matter to me. It's just hair. And the same with their clothes as long as they're not, you know, whatever, immodest. Whatever. Or, oh, there it you is. Know. Whatever. I, I let them pick their clothes and they they sometimes regret that later. They look back and they're like, mom, why did you let me wear
2: that? Mm, that happens like, to You're everybody fig-
1: figuring out your style. But I think allowing kids to be themselves in your home, also along with that, like that your home is the safe place. And what I mean by that is it's not just safe for them to come to you, but it's safe from siblings. And if you're allowing... Mm-hmm. siblings to talk to each other in a way that you wouldn't want to be talked to, then that their home does not feel like a safe place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, like, creating an environment where your kids feel safe and feel like they can fully be themselves and no one's going to make fun of them or laugh at them is really, really important. And I think that includes how siblings respond to each other as well as the parents.